Welcome to News in Context. I'm Gina Valeria. In this episode, we explore the journalism industry and approaches to news coverage in the U.S., including the challenges we face, how young people are thinking about storytelling and information sharing, and what journalism should offer society. My guests are former journalists turned educators Yumi Wilson, journalism professor at San Francisco State University, and Grace Provenzano, journalist, documentary producer, and educator at Arizona State University. Grace Yumi and I co-authored a book about journalism called Writing and Reporting the News for the 21st Century. The three of us, you know, pulled a book together a few years back to try to update how journalism was taught or how some of the basics were taught and and get at some of that. And we all pay attention to the industry. We all pay attention to the trends. So I think I'll start by asking you, what is the one thing you see changing in the industry, maybe that that has caught your attention the most or that you're the most concerned about? Grace, let me start with you. That That's a loaded question <laughs> because there are so many things happening and the digital world is changing as we speak. So it's really hard uh, as a, a working journalist to keep up with, with a lot of the changes. Um, the thing that just pops into my mind first, I was doing some freelance work in Des Moines uh, during the Iowa caucuses. And uh, it was a real eye-opening experience as to how the reporters have to do everything. Uh, I, I'm not just talking, you know, posting on websites. We're talking during live shots or between live shots. You need to go Facebook Live, and there's an analytics board, which the reporters call the wall of shame in the uh, newsroom, because every few minutes, uh, there is feedback on how you're doing. And, you know, I, I know that there are a lot of things you need to do to keep up with technology, of course, uh, as a journalist in the newsroom. But I felt one of the drawbacks was the fact that you couldn't go out and, and uh, get more sources between live shots. Live shots are very unforgiving. You go live when they tell you to go live. So if you, you know, whether you're prepared or not, so you you have to go. So I would say, you know, that is just one element. There are so many, but I would say that's a big concern of mine that the quality of, of churning out uh, a news product is challenging. Yumi, what about you? What's something that's kind of stood out to you or that maybe that you're concerned about over the past few years? From an educator perspective, you know, what I'm seeing in my students, I'm seeing much more anxiety and stress and the uncertainty, you know, from, you know, so many things, the pandemic, just to name one, the murder of George Floyd and other things that I think that have rocked younger generations, that weighs heavily in the classroom. And um, that has to become part of my teaching, which which is the new challenge. It's like, you know, there was a time when I could have a conversation with young people and talk about this is how the news is done. They already knew um, because that's how they were consuming news, whether it was their newspaper that their parents got or whether they were watching television news. But the reality is today, I have to really go back to the basics to help them understand this was the history. Maybe it's not so great. What can we do? What can we learn from it? What can we improve upon? Because I do see the one thing that that does reassure me is that my classrooms are full. And that means, and it's not me, 
it means that young people are very interested in storytelling and very interested in learning about news and, and doing better and, and changing the world through that medium. So um, I'm heartened by that, but I would say that's definitely the biggest thing. Yeah. I think on both counts that what you said, I'm feeling that too. And in particular in the classroom, there's been a shift, at least that I've noticed of instead of this like voracious, like I want to dive in, there's this, I want to fix the world, but, but there's, there's this, instead of being curious, it's more, I need comfort, which is great, which is fine. But it's that curiosity has been sort of like all these existential crises are, are swirling and it's daunting for them. Bringing them out and having that conversation is definitely a shift for me too. It's like taking a few steps over here to do this and then trying to draw it here and figuring out, yeah, absolutely. yeah, figuring out a kind of a new way to approach the teaching. Yeah. And as far as how the industry is working, you mean, even though you're not working in a newsroom, I know you're paying attention to the industry and, and this idea of analytics and this idea of giving the public what they want instead of what they need. And, and I think there's been a slight shift in the other direction, but we're still dealing with that. We're still dealing with sort of the impact of social media and well, if I, you know, they're just going to go somewhere else to get what they want if I don't give it to them. So how do we do news and how do we do journalism in a way that informs the public while still making it, I guess, interesting or compelling enough that they actually want to consume it. So Grace, as you've been thinking about what you witnessed during the the um, primaries, what have you been thinking about as far as how you might want to tackle this issue? Yeah, if I had a solution, we have another book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> At least another new chapter. Totally. Um, it's really difficult because there is that balance that when you teach, and this is the first semester that you know I, I haven't taught in 18 years, yeah. um, so I, it actually is good for me to kind of step back and 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 do a lot of work in a in a newsroom. Um, I'm in the same newsroom as the West Coast Bureau of PBS NewsHour, so I'm kind of you know in the throes of observing and trying to keep up. It's challenging to as a now working journalist again and and trying to get material for future classes uh, to try to find that balance of keeping up the enthusiasm. Both of you have you know, referenced how it is, you, you can sense the reasons why students want to do journalism. And that's a really exciting part of teaching is keeping the interest up so that they want to go out and story tell about what's happening in the world, finding the human elements to all the all the chaos and the craziness and, and some good stories along the way. But uh, the overwhelm, I totally relate to what Yumi is saying, that they need to keep up with the, the latest and greatest technology. These are students who are, you know, in their late teens, early 20s, and that's their life. So as an educator, it, it's hard to, to try to just throw myself in and tell them how they should be handling this. Uh, that's where this multi-layered problem comes in that you want to keep that enthusiasm up without being overwhelming. This is in no way the answer, but I find that it's kind of comforting to break it all down to the basics and say, you know, this is this is why we're here. Where's the story here? And just kind of clear the table of the noise. I think it's refreshing. Uh, it's hard to get inside their head, but uh, to say it's okay that we can just set aside all the noise and and get down to the nuts and bolts as to why we're here. So that's just a basic thing I do. Yeah. You know, I had a really interesting experience a few years ago, pre-COVID, 
was with my students and uh, they go out and they cut for the beginning journalism class. They cover one story, you know, an event, something that's already happening. And I said, okay, you're going to cover this, whatever event, choose an event. And they were like, wait, no, what are we doing? And I, I was, I just told you what you were doing. Okay, wait, you're covering an event and, and no, wait, what are we doing? And, and I, I, and there was this complete disconnect between what I was saying and what they needed. Like, I couldn't figure out what am I not saying? Like, I feel like I'm going over this very idea. Finally, one student asked a question that, that did it for, that made it clear that what they, what they needed was something no other class I'd ever had needed before. It was just a, it was an evolution and a shift in where they were at. They needed a blow by blow of walking through the space. So that I, so I was like, oh, okay. Well, you walk or drive up. You know, you 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 go into the building. You look for the ticket booth if there's a ticket booth or wherever. You know, ask to see the PR person or ask if you're on the list. And 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 when I got really granular, like very detailed, then you walk into the space. You check it out. You figure out where you can put your. Mind. I mean, when I got like that specific. Then they were like, oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is great. And I, and it blew my mind, but it was like, it was this, it was this deciphering or is this puzzle of, you know, something has shifted, something's evolved where they need something different than what students needed before. And I think I, I finally, I figured it out. Yay. And then it was great. Then it was fine. And I feel like I'm there again. Yumi, do you have anything you want to say about your experiences in the classroom? I agree with both of you. I mean, it's just a matter of navigating, but to your to address your earlier question about whether social media has impacted the way traditional news media or legacy news media outlets do their jobs, of course they have. And, you know, for the most part, I think it's a good thing. Because of social media, we, we saw raw footage of George Floyd being shot. We see raw footage of people engaging badly with others because of race or ethnicity. And without that type of proof, um, very few people react or act. Um, it has become a way we have conversations about racism and discrimination. So I think that, you know, the impact of social media has been a, a positive thing. Now, in terms of competition or in terms of how news outlets survive, absolutely, they've got to think about how they're going to do that. But that's always been a challenge for not just print or radio or television and cable, but all of those um, outlets. What I can say, you know, is that, you know, the majority of media outlets in this country and many other countries are owned by very few companies. And I think that one of the things, you know, to bring it back to teaching is that, you know, when I'm in a class and I can show them the numbers and statistics that show that you know, six companies or a handful of companies own the majority of media outlets. Um, they then take that in and then, you know, this class is about analyzing it. And it's very refreshing um, to see their comments and feedback because they just didn't know, right? You know, they think BuzzFeed is very unique, but it is owned by a major company. And they're just like, wow. But for them to come to that understanding is what I think is the challenge of teaching, um, you know, as a black and Japanese woman um, and a woman of color, really, is, of course, you know, you know that coverage is not the same. Of course, I am teaching virtually. So it's really been another challenge, right? Totally. But the way <laughs> what is important in journalism today, we can't pretend to be um, robotic unemotional individuals, we need to acknowledge that we each have our own implicit bias, but we also have rich experiences 
um, and have conversations with people. To that effect, I think that um, media outlets understand that. They're trying to figure out how to do that. I do see a difference when we think about television news to something like online magazines, especially local television news to me, seems much more entrenched in the way they have done things. You know, they'll start with the weather report and, you know, kind of walk through crime. When it bleeds, it leads. Um, but that's turning off generations of people, young people. And I think, I think it behooves local news outlets to think about, is that really representative of my community? You know, when you think of public interest and you think about um, the acts that have passed under, you know, what started out as the FRC and now the FCC, you know, there was intention early on to make sure that all of these stations that have the airwaves um, are thinking about their communities. And I would love to see more local news outlets do that, not just cover, you know, the crime, the murder that happened down the street, but also tell us about the nonprofit group that is trying to do something um, to help people who are homeless and living in camps and tents and tents around the place. that idea of covering the community. And I think the the questions of, you know, you brought up, you know, really the idea of, of implicit bias and, and opinion and, and where we come from and no one comes from nowhere um, and that there isn't just one objective standpoint there may be an objective process, which I definitely want to dive into. But first, I, I want to talk about that point of, you know, you mentioned earlier, Yumi, that most news outlets are owned by very few corporate owners. And that has led to kind of a diminishment of community journalism. And instead, a lot of syndicated work, a lot of reliance on, say, the Associated Press, which is great, but that's more national um, loss of jobs locally. And so a lot of nonprofit outlets are now kind of cropping up to try to fill that void and cover the community or the the diaspora of the community well. So Grace, let me turn to you. You're working for PBS station. So I wonder if you have any thoughts about community journalism and community coverage. It's a nightly public affairs program called Horizon. So it takes on local issues. It's all about local issues. It's a, a Phoenix PBS, but it's really statewide. It is one of the places you can still go in this area anyway, for local news, long form reporting, which is, it's sad to say, a, a dinosaur. Uh, you know, you don't really get three to six minutes to, to tell a story anymore. I wanted to comment, though, about the traditional local news, um, you know, the CBS, NBC, ABC affiliates. The um, caucus work I did in, back in Iowa was for a CBS uh, affiliate. And there is a real dilemma. We, you know, when we talk about covering local news, there's so much pressure to earn money that it, it, it unfortunately is, if it bleeds, it leads. What's going to bring people in? It's that analytics board that's posted, aka wall of shame, to the reporters who have to live with it. Um, but it is dictated by the ownership who sits, you know, they sit in New York. Um, this particular station is owned by Hearst. And a lot of the decision makers are not news people. And it's been that way for quite some time now probably 20 years or more. And and so they look at the numbers and uh, if something doesn't fly, then they're thinking, what can we do to tweak it? You're listening to News in Context. I'm Gina Valeria. I'm talking about journalism and the news industry with journalists and educators Yumi Wilson and Grace Provenzano. There are so many layers here of dilemma that local news stations um, are dealing with. They can't figure out why ratings are still low. They want to bring in the younger viewer 
with all of the social media platforms and everything, yet they're losing the the older viewer, what is it, 55, 50 and up, um, who want that A block, B block, sports, weather, good night, everybody, uh, routine. But, you know, how do they change? They haven't quite figured it out because local news is still uh, losing uh, in the long run. So uh, do I have an answer? No. <laughs> it's a really long way of saying, I don't know. If you don't mind, uh, Gina, I'm going to pose a question. Sure, sure, please. This has to do with citizen journalism that they um, hold as much weight. Yes, citizen journalists gave us the George Floyd video and that changed the way things are, are done. The guy who videotaped, and I do mean videotaped, the- um, Rodney King? Yes, he just passed away. That person kind of set the tone. And, and this person is just unknown to, to history for the most part, right? Until he died. Uh, and and so recording something as a citizen journalist, he just happened to have a new video camera. And, and so those, you, you know, you can't stress enough how important those people are to telling a story. But there's a certain training that goes into- being a journalist, you know, how to, how to, to dig, um, you know, would Watergate have happened if we relied just on citizen journalists? And my question is, how do you feel about the citizen journalist as someone who, should they be held up to the same standard as someone who is trained for many years in the profession to tell a story? I think that ties in to what you both have been mentioning, what Yumi and Grace, you both have been mentioning about social media and and why isn't, so I'm going to start here and then get to your question. Why isn't local TV news uh, taking hold among young people? Because they're on social media getting their news and there's a lot of citizen journalism and there's a lot of misinformation too, uh, but they find their interests there and they can dive in depth and they can do you know their own digging, et cetera. Um, and I think social media is presenting the news in a way that younger people are used to getting their information and they also can find things and they can also get around and outside some of that corporate ownership. I mean, I think that's changing, but I think that's still true. Um, but as far as citizen journalism, a Pulitzer was given to the young woman who filmed the George Floyd uh, killing. And I think that was right. For me, it's not one or the other. It's a part of a, a spectrum of doing journalism. Are you doing journalism in a moment or do you do journalism every day as part of your career? To me, I always think about it as doing journalism. And yes, a citizen journalist may not be trained, but are they contributing to helping increase our understanding, to helping contextualize, to helping inform? And then yes, maybe the trained journalist will take that and carry it forward. Um, but I think citizen journalists are an important piece of of this whole puzzle. Those are my thoughts. Yumi, how about you? I completely agree. And I even think of it as just being a citizen of um, this country is when you see something that seems wrong, you record it and you report it. But um, what I will say is that training is more essential than ever because there is so much misinformation and there is disinformation. So training, even what I found from students, they don't plan to become journalists, but they're so happy that they learned what it means when a trained journalist goes after sources, how they come about sources, why they use the entire name, why they avoid anonymity on, in most cases. You know, media literacy, if you will, is so important to have for young people because they're not getting it from anywhere else. Having said that, I do think when newsrooms say 
well, I'm only going to write stories or report stories that focus on crime or sensational. Um, and that's the only way I'm going to make money. I completely disagree because I feel like that's just your excuse. I mean, look what's happening in the web world. You know, young people are reading human interest stories and profiles about people traveling. They're, they're reading stories about a green environment movement. Um, they're hungry for lots of different stories. They're just not being given those stories in the traditional places. And that's why they don't go to them. It's the responsibility of a news outlet, uh, especially if you're losing numbers and you don't know why, to um, understand why young people and why all people, myself included, why have we turned away um, from traditional news sources? Do Are we really getting the full picture or are we living in fear? Because the top five stories of your of your short program all create fear in my mind of how it feels to live in Oakland, for example. It's got to stop being the argument about, well, we'll only make money because, you know, this is how people. That's not true. That's not what, you know, the audience is doing. Podcasts, for example, if you look at the Pew Research Center report that's done annually and it shows that podcasts are increasing through the roof. Podcasts that offer everything from a good crime show, which has been featured now in that new show with uh, Selena Gomez and Steve and Martin and Martin Short, Only Murders uh, in the Building. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Only Murders. Mm-hmm. I love that show because it really yeah. grasps. Wow. Podcasts have made a difference in our world. We need to acknowledge it, right? And um, we can learn from that. If we want to have jobs in traditional media outlets because they are the ones that pay right now, um, if we want our newsrooms to grow, we can learn from what's happening in the non-traditional world and embrace it, you know, I mean, make it better um, because that training will help us, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I think when you were saying, I love both your answers about citizen <laughs> journalists, by the way, that there, there's room for everybody. Yeah. And we just need to train our students, teach our students quality. What is quality journalism? But when we mention about local news, one thing that is just, I don't know how they get out of out of the trenches with this one. And that is traditional format of, you know, 22 minutes of news, sports and weather. Um, that is a relic. Pains me to say that, but, you know, there's something to say you got to change with the times. And they were slow on the uptake, they really thought social media was a fad, and a lot of people did. But as a news organization, you know, somebody should have seen the writing on the wall at some point. So we got to get going. And I think that they missed the, the boat. When it comes to crime news, do we go more with crime news because it's local? And how else are they going to hear about this? But it needs to be more than this crime happened. There has to be a bigger, like, what are the causes here? What are we going to do? What's the call to action? What's, you know, because people do get very uh, depressed watching news. And, and this isn't just local news, it's national, international news, whatever. There is bad news everywhere. And and we got to give viewers something to work with other than here's some really news that's depressing. Let me share it with you. Right. <laughs> to your point about um, TV news, TV news is still being done and in a way that's uh resonant with younger people or with more audiences online on YouTube, you know, again, there's misinformation there too, but there's news there and podcasting. So it's not like radio and TV news are really dying. They've just shifted into this digital space Mm -hmm. because that is a way where you can try out new formats and you can go in more in depth and spend a little more time, contextualize, inform. Yes. 
corporate TV news, they've definitely been behind the eight ball on shifting to respond to audience needs for information, not necessarily audience needs for what I want. What is your definition of journalism? What What is journalism to, to both of you? Um, so Yumi, when, when I ask you to define journalism, what would you say? When you look up journalism, it is simply that you are providing information that helps the public either vote, do their jobs, or simply function in the world. That's the essence of journalism. But getting beyond the definition, the question is, is the information that you obtain and you want to share with others valid or is it accurate? Because we still do have laws in this country that if you were to libel or defame someone, you could get in trouble. And I think that's another part of, of education that, yes, you can go out there and pick up your camera and pick up your recorder and tell stories, but be mindful that you could also be sued. Um, by someone who says you defamed them, you libeled them, you hurt their reputation. I totally agree. Providing the context, a fuller picture. Grace, how about you? What journalism is to you? What your definition of journalism is? Along with what Yumi said, finding stories that help and inform when you dig to the very foundation. If you're not doing that, what are you doing? And of course, along with finding stories that help and inform, you have to get the facts right. Well, getting the facts right require making more than a couple of phone calls. And uh, if one person does not return your phone call, you have several you know, lined up so that you do get someone to talk to you, especially if you're on deadline. In order to find the stories that will help and inform and to make sure the facts are right, you've got to be a bit of a pit bull when it comes to getting the job done. Getting back to what is journalism, journalism is following the tenants, do no harm, be transparent. Uh, what is what is the information that we are putting across for the good of the public? Whatever the means by which you are transporting your story, you have to stay true to that premise. This has come up a little bit throughout our talk, uh, the idea of objectivity and bias and making sure that different perspectives are brought in, different parts of the community are treated with humanity and decency and covered well rather than othered. Um, and that we recognize that we we ourselves come from somewhere and have perspectives, but the process of journalism can be objective. I do think individual journalists are trying hard to tell stories that need to be told, but they're often being stopped from airing those stories. They're often not given the resources they need to tell those stories. And until networks and newsrooms can support journalists by placing them in courts and placing them in local counties and placing them so they have time to go to school board meetings and city council meetings, because those jobs have been eliminated for the most part. Uh, until you can help journalists, individuals, whether they be citizen or whether they be trained and working at the Chronicle or wherever, they're out there. That's the only way they're going to know what's really going on, right? And, and you know, this idea of AP, I used to work for Associated Press. It was my first job out of college and I really learned a lot. But to rely on, on a newswire for your local story, you know, because you can't be at the state house covering that bill there's something fundamentally wrong with it. You're not going to get the whole story. And I think that is why so many people have turned away from traditional news outlets because they know they're not going to hear about their son's 
high school, college team. They know they're not going to hear about the local city council meeting. They know they're not going to hear about what they know is going on in their community. And it's not just the individual who can change it. It will be those who um, are working under a for-profit model um, and trying to make that dollar out of 15 cents. I just think journalism has never been more important. We need to find ways to dig in and get the facts and get them out and somehow continue to educate people about what is going on in government. I mean, that's why so much of all issues today go back to what is government doing. So journalism has never been more crucial and has never been more needed uh, in our society. Thank you to my guests, Ewing Wilson, journalism professor at San Francisco State University, and Grace Provenzano, journalist, documentary producer, and educator at Arizona State University. Grace, Yumi, and I co-authored a book about journalism called Writing and Reporting the News for the 21st Century. Music in this episode includes Spring Fling by Track Tribe and The Heist by Silent Partner. In addition to hearing news in context every Friday at 8.30 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. on KSFP 102.5 in San Francisco, you can hear it on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, iHeartMedia, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Podbean, YouTube, and PRX. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at News in Context SF and on Instagram at News in Context. And you can find links to all of that at newsincontext.net. I'm Gina Valeria. Thank you for listening.